So I want to give you a few directions this morning. If you've ever been in a small town and not known your way, and you've been lost, and you say, hey, you stop by the gas station, you say, hey, I, can you point me down to this event venue or something like that? Maybe you're going to a wedding. So I'm going to give you the directions, and then you see if you can recite them back to me in just a minute, all right? So, all right, you're going to go down past the Whitaker house. That's where the Smiths live now, but you're going to go there, and then you're going to take a left. You'll go about a quarter of a mile, and what you'll see is that old pine that fell during the ice apocalypse of 90 during the ice storm. But you'll see that. You can't miss it, y'all. It's right there. All right, so you'll turn right, not left, because if you go left, you'll go somewhere else. But you'll pass by about 100 head of cattle. That's where Jack lives. That's his place. And you're going to keep going. Now, not long later, what you're going to see is it's down there on your left, all right? Think you got that? Can you recite that back to me? Y'all feel like those are the directions I get every time. And I imagine for God's people, before the very first Christmas, I bet they felt a little bit like that whenever God said, hey, here are the things that I want you to do. But yet they were just so confused by it. Because here's the thing, if you're like me, whenever it comes to directions, if I don't have a map and it printed out like, do y'all remember MapQuest? And you'd print them out and it was like the only way you were going to get there. And you're going, I'm not sure how many 600 feet is. All right. So, but you're looking and you're trying to figure out, or, you know, thank you, Google Maps, Apple Maps now, get us where we need to step-by-step directions. It's better if you can visualize it, right? Well, God knew that. God knew that for us to understand what he wanted for us to see and to live like we would need to visualize it. And so that's what we're going to talk about this morning. So good morning. My name is Hunter Upton. I'm one of our pastors here at our South Haven campus of Goodwill Church. Glad that you're here. Uh, Merry Christmas, early Merry Christmas to you. What a great season we are in. Uh, If you're our guest today or you're joining us online, we're glad that you are here as well. We're continuing in our sermon series called Unbelievable, where we're looking at the beauty that's found in the incarnation, and that's Jesus Christ, God's Son, taking on flesh for us. He's God with us. Now, the first week of this series, uh, Pastor Jonathan uh, talked to us about how Jesus is God with us. That is how we see and we know God. He made God visible for us, what God is like, right? In the second week in this series, Pastor Jonathan talked about the necessity of the incarnation. Why did God have to become flesh and come and dwell among us? And that is so that he would be the perfect sacrifice for us, redeeming, cleansing us, freeing us from our sin. Now today I want to talk about yet another reason of why was Jesus born? And that is to give us a path, the path, to life. I'm going to be making some very important points today, so be following along. All right. Um, long story. Anyway, y'all need a little more coffee, but that's okay. That's okay. Um, so have you ever thought about the reason why we rebel? Why do we rebel a lot? Well, psychologists say that it's a reaction that you feel whenever your freedom, uh, when you think that there's a threat to your freedom, or uh, if you think that your choices are being limited. Now, as kids and teenagers, we know that that's true. We tend to rebel a lot, but I think that even as adults, right, we, we find ways to rebel as well. And I think about how as adults, Some of the things that we rebel against, like instead of living in community, what do we do? We tend to isolate, turn in, and close our doors uh, to ourselves. Instead of offering forgiveness, what do we do? We hold grudges forever and ever. Amen, right? I mean, these are things that we do to rebel. 
Instead of living, uh, instead of lovingly confronting that person in our life that we love and just needs to have that conversation with, what do we do? We go behind their back and we spread gossip about them. Instead of trusting God, we saturate our lives with worry. Friends, those are the ways that we rebel as adults. See, we rebel against the rules that our parents gave us. We, we rebel against the rules of the speed limit, right? I mean, how many of you went over 40 on Get Well this morning? Quite a few of us did. We rebel against societal norms, social norms that, that govern our society, right? And the thing is, I think that it's just like human nature. It's just who we are in so many ways. And it's because we feel that threat to our freedom, Right? We feel that threat to our choices, like, oh, you're only going to give me one choice? Well, that's not as many as I want. So, I want you to notice, though, that that is the very root of the very first sin that was ever committed. You can't eat from that tree, but you can eat from any other tree, just not that tree. And what do we do? Adam and Eve, they ate from that tree that they were not supposed to. And you see, now that I'm a parent, I feel like I understand rules a little bit better. Um, you know, it's why we give boundaries and guidelines to our children, right? It's because we love them. We know what's best for them. We want what's best for them. And I think about the fact that man cannot live off of chicken tenders alone, okay? Even though some definitely try, even as adults, it's not possible, but they try. And as parents, what we want is what's best for our children. And ultimately, we want them to be happy and healthy. And, and ultimately, you want them to be happy, Right? And so you give them boundaries, you give them rules. The same is true of our unbelievable God, the love that he has for us. We are his children. And oftentimes whenever we think about the commandments that God has given us in his word, we think that he's just given us uh, some kind of stuffy rules, right? He's handing out these rules left and right. And he just doesn't want us to have any kind of fun at all. But here's the thing is if that's our conclusion, then we're missing the point of why God even gave us these rules, these, these commandments in the first place. I want you to see this, is that the commands of God are love letters from our Father in heaven. They're love letters from our God in heaven. He's the creator of each of us. He, he, he fashioned us. He knows us. He loves us. And God's commands, were, they're not just to keep us from sinning, they're there to usher in for us the fullest extent of life, this side of the kingdom of God. Now, if you've spent much time in the Bible, maybe uh, definitely the Old Testament, you quickly realize that instead of following the commands of God as a way of life, the people tend to do the very human nature thing of rebelling and going their own way. And 10 times out of 10, it never ends up how, how it was supposed to because they chose to go their own way. I think about the fact that, uh, think of it like this, is God gave them a field to play in. He put a fence around it, and he said, hey, here are some rules that govern the field, how to get along with one another. And what do they do? Instead of doing that, they hop the fence, or they start to play by their own rules. And it never, ever ends up well. Now, I don't know about you, but I know that sometimes I feel this way, that that. I try like I can't ever get my act together, right? You ever feel that way? You try and you try and you try and just seem like it cannot come together. You just can't help but always keep falling back into sin over and over and over again. It just seems like a cycle that we're on, right? But God is a loving father who desires for his children 
you and I, to have life to the fullest. So he took action. You see, God knew that we wouldn't be able to do what we needed to, to break free from sin. Nor could these hearts that we have ever actually follow him in his plan. So that's why he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to the earth to be with us. Jesus, yes, shows us who God is. We see the picture of God. We see his heart, his love, it, it just exudes from Christ. We see that Jesus was the perfect sacrifice who takes away our sin. And Jesus, it's in Jesus that we have an unbelievable example of what it looks like to follow God. See, last week we talked about the fact that, uh, and I don't want you to miss it, so we're going we're gonna to hit on it again here, is that Jesus was both 100% God and 100% human. He's not a mixture, all right? He's not some God, some human. He is 100% God, 100% human. Uh, Paul tells us this in uh, Colossians 2, 9. He says, for in Christ all the fullness of the deity, that's God, lives in bodily form. This union is not a, a mixture of two composite things that come together so that Christ could be said that he's kind of part human or part divine, nor is it that he oscillates between the two. He's not, you know, sometimes more God and sometimes more human. No. Friends, from start to finish, the God with us, Jesus Christ, is fully God and fully human. He had to be human to take on our sin, and he had to be God to deal with our sin once and for all. And what we find is that in this Jesus, the fullness of who he was while he was on earth, that Jesus lived a perfect life to God, a perfect life to God. Never once did he sin. He perfectly fought the temptation to give into the rebellion that rebellion that we're so prone to, to go against God's way. He fought that temptation. He didn't ever give in. Jesus followed God's commandments because he loved God and he knew that God loved him. His desire was to please God in all that he did. And he knew the reward. He knew the life abundant in living that way of life. And so in Jesus, what we find is not just the one who made the way for our sin, but the one that shows us the way to the fullness of life that we can have if we follow his way of life. And one of the most tremendous blessings that we have uh, this Christmas and always uh, is the fact that we have God's revelation, God's word to us. We have the four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and in them what we find are four eyewitness accounts to the life of Jesus. Four eyewitness accounts that all talk about who this Jesus was, this fully God, fully human, living, breathing word of God, God in the flesh, Emmanuel, God with us, to show us his life. What we discover is the life abundant that God promised lived out in the way that Jesus lived every single day. And so what Jesus says, he's an unbelievable example for us as what it means to live a life with God's mercy, justice, compassion, humility, and love. Friends, what we find in Jesus is life lived the way it's supposed to be lived. Now Jesus tells us that he didn't come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. And what that means is that everything that humans were meant to live into as God's people yet failed to do, 
Jesus did so perfectly. You see, Jesus is the ultimate human, and he serves as the one whom we're to strive to be like. He's the ultimate human, so we need to strive to be like him. But I want to give you a catch. You might be hearing this, and you're thinking the same thing. I can't do that, right? Hunter, I try. I try, but I fall short all the time. I do some of the things that that Jesus does, but not all of them. We can try. We we strive for this, but we can't do it. Our strivings only at best make us moral and at worst make us very religious people. And like all the people before us, we'll always fall short of living a life to God's standard. That is, as long as we don't submit ourselves to the King of Kings, to his way of life, to allow him to come in and transform our hearts and our minds and to indwell us with his Holy Spirit to be able to give us the ability to choose his way over ours. God's word's clear that when we come to Jesus, we become new creations. Paul says it like this in 2 Corinthians 5.17. He says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here. The prophet Jeremiah talks about this day when God would pour out his spirit upon the people. And for the very first time, these stony hearts that they had that could not follow him. They would be removed and they would be given hearts of flesh. Y'all, beating hearts. The law of God written on their hearts, being able to follow him faithfully for the first time. And it's all because of God's spirit. As part of the new creation, with this new heart, we then receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. It's God's presence dwelling with us in our hearts. And what that means is that with this new heart and with God's spirit inside of us, we're actually able to choose God's way over our own sinful, our old sinful ways. It means that we don't draw from the shallow, dirty wells of, of our limits of humanness. Remember that striving? I can only strive so much, y'all. But it's that we take, instead of drawing from our wells, we draw from the pure and beautiful and deep well of God's power and love in his spirit. We only get there if we do what Jesus did, and that's by abiding in God. Abiding in God. So I want you to listen. If you've got your Bibles, turn with me. We're going to be in uh, John 14 here for just a second. Uh, John 15, excuse me. John 15. But I want you to see, uh, and if you don't turn there, it's okay. We'll be on the screen in just a second. But uh, I want you to listen to what Jesus says to his disciples just hours before he's about to give his life up. And he tells them this in John 15. He said, Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. See, the branch doesn't live if it's not abiding in the vine, right? And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me 
and my words abide in you. Ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that joy, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. Now, this isn't the first time that I've talked about abiding, and so I want to spend a little bit of time uh, just quickly talking about what does it mean for us to abide. Well, the Greek word for abide comes from the root word meno, right? Meno. And what we find is that this word, in essence, carries this idea of to not depart or leave, to continue to be present with someone, all right? And what we find just a chapter earlier in uh, John 14, we find that John writes down Jesus is saying this in uh, 14.10. He says, uh, don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living, this word minnow is there again, uh, in me who is doing his work. And so what we find is that this, this is about a dwelling together. It's, it's about abiding in one another. It's a decision, it's a choice to stay in the presence of someone. It's not something that's forced on us, friends. That's not love. It's about being there, abiding in Jesus means to seek his presence, to dwell there, to not depart or to leave. So how do we do this? How do we abide in Jesus? Well, first, you have to dethrone the imposters. Y'all, we're talking this Christmas about the incarnation. We're talking about our king has come. Y'all, if there are other kings on the thrones of our lives, then they're nothing but imposters. The king of kings has come. It's time for us to, to dethrone them and to place Jesus on the throne of our lives. Idolatry is real. We had a whole series about this earlier this year. And sometimes it's so subtle that we don't realize that we have placed something or someone else on the seat of our hearts and so what I want you to do is to seek God in prayer, to ask him to point out to you, what, have, what are those things? What is it that you have allowed to take that place of Christ in your heart and in your mind? Uh, you know, it's about allowing Jesus to sit on the throne of our lives, not just on Sunday morning, but every day between Sunday morning and the time that we show back up next Sunday. It's about every moment in between, just as Jesus set that example for us, in the way that God was the one on the throne of his life, always looking to do his will. The second part about how we abide in Jesus is that we, we have to allow ourselves to experience transformation. You know, a lot of what we, we don't realize in our walk with Jesus is that we have to allow ourselves to be transformed. He wants to do the work. 
And oftentimes the work doesn't get done because we don't allow him to. So we have to allow ourselves to experience transformation. You see, for many of us, we have got quite a few years of sinning under our belt, right? Uh, And the thing is, is that it's not going to just go away overnight. But when we abide in Jesus, when we submit ourselves to be transformed, it's, it's this idea of being renewed. Scripture used this as this idea of renewed. Um, we allow ourselves to come before Christ and to allow him in our daily encounter to change the way that we think, the way that we feel, the way that we act, the way that we see the world around us, the way that we talk. So here are four ways that, that we can experience transformation. First is that you have to immerse yourself in God's word. Immerse yourself in God's word. You see, when we spend time with God and his word, when we see the example of who Jesus is, we get a glimpse of his love, not just for you, but for the world. We get a glimpse at, at what he's been at work in in the past. You know, one of the things that, that I've been able to face day after day with a lot of uncertainty is the faithfulness of God in the past just proves that he's going to be faithful in the future. And the word of God is a gift to us. These words do not change. They are printed on this paper. They're in your phone. They do not change. They are the words of God forever for us, this side of heaven, that we would know his love that we would trust him with our lives, that we would see him and understand what he's at work about, doing out now in this world and going to bring to completion in the end. But we'll never know that unless we immerse ourselves in God's word. The second thing, second way to experience transformation is to spend time with Jesus in prayer. I think too often we're afraid of prayer Uh, Because we think that it has to be really eloquent or somehow very long drawn out. And I do agree that sometimes I am long drawn out whenever I pray. Uh, But here's a tip. Is that if if you're not sure where to start with prayer or maybe you kind of know a few things. uh, Jesus just wants you to talk to him. And he just wants to talk to you. He just, y'all, that is a sweet time of communion together with the one who truly listens. You know, you think your spouse listens, you think your best friend listens, but I guarantee you, you have one who can sympathize with everything going on in your life because he's lived this life. He understands, he sees it all. Spend time with him in prayer. He understands what you're going through, the good, the bad, and the ugly. The third way that we can experience transformation is by surrounding yourself with Christian community. You know, we don't live like the world, but we do live in this world. Uh, Part of what God created us to do is not to live in isolation, but to have this community that he's gifted us with. If you're joining us here today, look to your left and right. These are your brothers and sisters that that are doing life just like you. To have someone who, who understands Jesus and is going to appoint you to him, to hold you accountable, to encourage you, to pour into you. That is what we need. Every single time in my life that I find myself kind of withdrawn, I find that I, I am, one, my unhappiest, but also my least connected to God. And it's because I've isolated myself from him. 
Friends, let's not do that. Of any time of the year, this is right the time when people gather together and all that, and it can be exhausting. I understand. I'm exhausted just thinking about it right now. But lean into those relationships. God gave you this community for a reason. Let them help shape you. God speaks through his word. God speaks through prayer. And God speaks through even, even us to each other. It's a gift to have this community. All right, and the last thing I want to point out here as a way to experience transformation is to evaluate what you consume. Evaluate what you consume. And what I, what I mean by that is to take a look at what you're putting into your body and into your mind. You know, I think about the music that we listen to. I think about the shows that we watch on TV. Y'all think about the fact that my mood can change so drastically by one movie or one show that I've watched. My language becomes different. My thoughts become different. You want to know why you probably feel so far away from him, so kind of very off kilter? Maybe it's what you're consuming. If this season is all about what can I get, what can I get, what can I get? Once again, it's that consumerism that, that is just eating us alive. It's taking a toll on our lives. And Scripture talks about eating this book. Man, that sweet communion with Jesus in prayer. The sweet community that we have around what are you consuming? Evaluate that so that what you do consume becomes life-giving and not life-taking. And here's the thing. You're not left to this on your own. If you're here this morning and you're like, Hunter, I have no idea how to get started on any of this. I want you to reach out. Would love to just shoot me an email. It's hunter.upton at getwellchurch.org. Would love to talk with you and find a way to get you plugged in as a way to find ways to allow yourself to experience that transformation, to find ways to, to begin to dethrone the imposters that may be in your heart so that you can do that thing of abiding in Christ to be able to follow his example. Now, I want to talk back again real quickly. John 15 again, the abide in me passage. Three outcomes that we get from that that show us the, the beauty of a life that we have if we um, are, are abiding in Jesus and following his example. And so the first is this, of the three outcomes, is that we will bear fruit. We will bear fruit. Jesus says, apart from him, we can do nothing. It's no amount of love, no, no matter how much we can desire, we can muster, uh, that is going to accomplish anything lasting in this life. We'll run out if we only rely on ourselves. And like a vine and a branch, like a branch on a vine, if it only bears fruit whenever it's connected to the vine, right? If it's cut off, then it has no source of life. It, it has nothing, Right? Scripture is very concerned about us bearing fruit as children of God. And it's not this cheap, flashy, and always self-serving kind of fruit that the world bears, but it's fruit that comes from God alone. It's the life that he brings in and through us into the world around us. It reminds me of the fruit of the Spirit, right? 
Uh, I always joke that sometimes I'm some of the fruit and sometimes not uh, some others. I'm only my favorite kind of fruit, right? Um, you know, peace, patience, joy, gentleness, goodness, self-control, right? Okay, it's fine. <laughs> I'll get you all a fruit basket later. So, um, but what we find in the fruit of the Spirit is the very person of Jesus. These are the characteristics of he that gave us life, and by God's Spirit dwelling inside of us, we too will bear the fruit. We too will bear the fruit, but we have to abide. Second thing that we see, the second outcome, is that we will begin loving God and His ways. When as we abide in Jesus by following His example, it transforms the way, uh, transform us where our hearts and our minds and our behaviors, our wills and our wants, all these things, they continue to love God deeper, day by day, deeper and an even sweeter communion and relationship with him. And that our desires to follow his way become easier and more what our hearts and desire want than, than that we would rebel We become all in with God and with his plan when we abide with Jesus by following his example. So we bear fruit. We begin loving God and his ways. And then third is that we will have a completed joy. Friends, I think about so often how joy can be fleeting. I was not joyful yesterday when this happened. Joy is so oftentimes so circumstantial, so fleeting in this world, but true joy, lasting joy, a completed joy is only found in Jesus Christ alone. And, you know, here's the thing is that Jesus endured all that he did, looking to it with joy. Why? Because he knew what was ahead. He knew the reward of following God, of glorifying God, of submitting himself to God. And friends, as we follow Jesus, as we go all in, as we abide in him day by day, we too become, we share in that reward. We become co-heirs with Christ of the inheritance that he has gained. That is if we are in Christ. If you really want to live an unbelievable life, a life that, that is lived to the fullest extent, then you've got to surrender to Jesus and you have to follow his example But don't forget that the Holy Spirit comes alongside you to help you do that each and every single day. 1 John chapter 2, John writes to encourage the church in striving for this unbelievable life that we can have by saying this. He says, my dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. Y'all, we sing about this at Christmas. What a blessing. We know that we have come to know him. What? If we keep his commandments. Whoever says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar. And the truth is not in that person. But if anyone obeys his word, love for God is truly made complete in them. This is how we know that we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. Where 
Are you today in following Jesus' example for your life? Are you following closely? Are, are you kind of here and there? Do you feel so far away and powerless to do so? You know, however you answer that question, the truth is that the power of the incarnation of Jesus Christ taking on flesh and dwelling among us, that power, that example, the sending of the Holy Spirit, all of that can take place in your life now, right now. Not in a couple of days, not in a couple of years, not even on your deathbed because you waited that late. Yes, salvation can still happen there, but God desires something now in your life. It's a gift that he wants to give you in Jesus. I don't want you to miss this. In the power of the incarnation, Jesus didn't just save us for the life to come, but also for the life now. For the life now, today, right now. See, yes, in him our eternity is, is sealed with God in the life to come, but God doesn't desire for us to just stop there. He has so much that he wants us to experience in this life today. Christ came to earth to make a way so that we could have life today and tomorrow. Won't you hear his invitation this Christmas? Prepare him room. Prepare him room so that he can come and he can make his home in your life and his ways through your life for his glory and for your good. It's a life that he wants to give us. In just a moment, we're gonna, I'm going to pray. We're going to have a few moments of response as we sing uh, a song. And if you feel burdened this holiday season, I want you to go to him. Just go to Jesus. If, if you've been far away, I want you to run to him. Run to Jesus. If you need strength to face tomorrow, he's here with open arms to take you in. If you need to soften to his way in your life, ask him to help. He listens. He's willing and he's able. You can pray where you're at. You can come up front and pray at the, the prayer rails. You can pray in your, your kitchen or wherever you might be right now joining us online. But now's the time that, that you can hear that invitation of Jesus. Come to me. Come to me. I want to abide in you. And I want you to abide in me. Follow my example. Don't let today pass up without submitting yourself to Jesus this morning. He's a good and he's a perfect Savior and he's just what we need. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your word. Lord, we thank you for the encouragement that we receive from it. But Lord, we thank you that coupled with your word is the truth that you, Jesus, came to earth taking on bodily form to dwell among us. Lord, not only to show us who God is, not only to save us from our sins, Lord, but Lord, to give us a path to life. Lord, we want that abundant life that you offer. Lord, would you soften us this morning? Would you help us to run to you, to abide in you? Would you send your Holy Spirit into our lives? 
Lord, helping us to more and more each and every day love you and long for your way of life. Lord, we thank you for the truth of this Christmas season, that we see your love on full display. Help us to trust in it today. Lord, we love you and we praise you. We pray this in the name of Jesus and by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. If you'll stand.